Puff wasn't, it was not all great. But, but man, did he teach me to have the tools to be ready. It was amazing lessons. Lesson, breadcrumbs that I will take. I refuse if I'm going to take the risk. I'm okay with whatever the outcome because I can create it. it. Like it doesn't matter where it falls. It can be done. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at the best of my ability. So that no matter if no one loves it, they cannot say it wasn't of quality. Be ready. So if you want to take the risk, take the risk, but be ready with the tools to be able to do it. Some people say, I'm going to go do this, but they're not built to sustain what comes with it. Like if you decide to take a risk, understand you're going to probably be out there on your own. To be ahead means you won't be loved. To be ahead means they're going to miss that train. And probably when you die, you'll be great, 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 great. She's just a girl from the night, from the night, from the night. Yes, indeed. Only in New Orleans, baby. It's your boy, Wild Way. They go Trumbo Shorty. Big boy, we been in New Orleans. That is not my last name. <laughs> no way. And I, I know I you're know. joking because you say my last name a thousand times. It's Don Richard. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. How you feeling? I'm watching you guys is a thing on the zone. I'm, I'm happy that you're here. <laughs> Who you telling? <laughs> I'm happy to be here too because it's just incredible, this, this banter. You're glowing. You're glowing. Hey, okay, good. I'll take it. Oh, uh, just this lovely in person. Oh, thank you. As thank you, you are on television, I on pre- big screen. Man, that's, thank you. You are. Beautiful. What do you do to, for this glow, this glow thing? It's my, well, I, God, no, it's, good. Just, it's jeans. My, huh? It's my no, well, no, but my my mom and dad are pretty awesome. Your dad, uh, it's, like, yeah. and look, this is ain't a funny business here, but his, <laughs> his skin is dope. His hair too, isn't it? He got oh, the waves. I was looking at the hair. His like hair that. is whapping. This so this, natural. This, this skin, like, is yeah. My parents, yeah, yeah. Now nah, it's my diet. Okay, it's, I'm vegan. I was about to ask you that. Is yeah. it what you do or what don't you do? I do, well, I do work out every day, or about like I do morning and night. And then I um What kind of regimen? So I run about four to five miles a day. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Like you in the street running or yeah. treadmill or No, no treads. I don't I hate no, the, the park or something. Yeah, no, outside. Yeah. Okay. What? And then a yoga. Love yoga. Cause the dance room, I wanna stay flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll do that morning and night. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm vegan. So and if like if I travel and there's not accessibility, I'll do vegetarian and play with dairy, but Every time I try to do the dairy, it, it, it backfires. Like, my skin can't take it. So, I wound up just stop staying away no from No pescatarian? No. So, do you miss seafood? Absolutely. Because you are from New Orleans. Yeah, it's a fair. I, I'm honest with it. I'm not that, like, no. No. I miss, man, I would kill someone for a crawfish. So, you waiting for the vegan crawfish to come out? I'm waiting for somebody to figure vegan seafood out. Because right now, it's looking real rubbery and raw right now. It's right. tasting real. No way. <laughs> 
I saw I saw vegan with the twist. These young brothers yeah, out here. Yeah, I, I saw, heard they killing it. They have a vegan gumbo. That they probably I saw. yeah. Well, I've tasted amazing vegan gumbo, and I believe, I'm so proud of our city really coming up with the vegan culture. Um, and I'm I'm trying to you know join that party too. But it's my my dad. You know, got diagnosed with cancer, and uh, that was hard for us because my dad is hella healthy. Like he never drank smoke, nothing. Um, so that was kind of. It took us off guard, and Frank so Richards? Frank Richard, Frank Richards, <laughs> Frank Richards, <laughs> and he handled. He's handling it so dope. But we, we, I told him if he goes vegan with me, I'll do. I'll do it with him mm-hmm. because I was hearing that the diet could change. Uh, like it was saving people's lives who were who had cancer. What form of cancer did lymphoma? He, have? he has lymphoma oh, still, okay. non-Hodgkin's okay. lymphoma, mm-hmm. um, and it changed his life. His it balanced him out. And um, now he does salmon. He like he loves to see he'll you know salmon helps him with his heart. Uh, and so he still he does that. But my mom is still vegan. Okay. Yeah. She so always we, was. No. Okay. No, she did it because they were telling her she's like two seconds away from diabetes, and oh. she was scared about that. Because again, my mom never really ate a lot like that either. Uh, and then she went vegan, and it. Man, my mom lost like twenty five pounds. She looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So it just helped us as a family. I can it, just imagine people sitting on their phones right now in front of their computer. Googling vegan. Yeah. I, explain if, if you don't mind. Um, vegan is when you uh, you eat no meat. You have no meat of any kind of any byproduct of meat. So that means dairy. That means eggs. That means anything mm-hmm. uh, from red meat to chicken. All of that is a no-go. Yeah, because I was trying to get some food Seafood. cracking for this morning. I was like, I'm going to get some waffles because I know she doesn't, she doesn't eat any meat. And she was like, well, it, it doesn't no have milk. dairy and no <laughs> eggs. No milk, and no eggs. Like, yeah. Well, I'll just bring some fruit. <laughs> I'd like to just bring some water. It's fine. And some grass. No. Uh, yeah. Some, no, it, some but, twigs and berries. Yeah, some, but it, you know what? I, a vegan ain't for everybody. It just, for real, it literally say it did work wonders for me, man. I really did not think it was going to take hold in New Orleans. Yeah. Just because of the rich food culture, rich foods, yeah. especially with the French influence, with so many things with creams and sauces and and roux. Yeah, and, but you can you know. make anything taste good if you can create the roux and the, and the seasoning. So like a lot of things from the season base is all plants. Like you can make a seasoning work and make a roux work without milk, without like flour. You can figure out, and there's also unbleached organic flour that rice you can flour use too. rice flour oh, as well. Works really well yeah and then applesauce is a really for baking and making like things have weight apple applesauce is amazing okay so you can find flavor but you know i got to get in i had to get real creative because i was struggle buckets for like <laughs> i was struggling like i need the flavor <laughs> struggle buckets in, in la you know they have vegan everywhere so it was easy um, like fry, they can make fried fake chicken taste like incredible. Uh, fried fake. Yeah, it's chicken. good. Yeah, they, in LA, Vegan it's like chicken. Yeah, but I, I, I always thought New Orleans would be so great because we can make anything taste good. So I always felt like once they figured it out here, it would be good because you can't teach that kind of education to flavor something the way New Orleans can. Well, with that being said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you just had an amazing event here in New Orleans that highlighted uh, <laughs> some great uh, vegan dishes yeah. that come from the lineage. Yeah. Uh, you had the, the Papa Ted's. The Papa Ted's sandwich. Uh, sandwich was a, a vegan biscuit. It's a biscuits uh, breakfast sandwich with uh, peppers, uh, a secret sauce, uh, vegan biscuit, and uh, vegan cheese. And uh, maple syrup dripped all over it. And the vegan sausages to go with it. the vegan sausage to go with it. Now, let's let's paint the picture. So that was the food part. But it was inside of 
a much bigger event. Right. So um, everything is biodegradable. Everything is eco-friendly down to the... What was the name of the event? It's called Papa Ted's Pop-Up Experience. Uh-huh. And it's an art eco-friendly experience. So New Orleans, I wanted to give something where we put, took the vegan culture, but we also took the artist culture and created a hub for them to actually paint. So the entire shipping container... The shipping container, which is biodegradable, can be broken down, uh, will be the canvas for the artist to paint on. Mm-hmm. So while we sell, they paint. But people were kind of, I was like, people are going to be like, why would I want to stand around aerosol paint and eat? So I worked with Iron Lack, and we got the first sugar-based plant, uh, paint ever to mm. be used. Mm-hmm. So that the paint is now eco-friendly, and the artists who have never worked with eco-friendly material get an opportunity to work with a paint that is healthy to be around while you eat. So the artist painted on the shipping container, mm-hmm. which is what Papa Ted's foundation is. is, And the sandwiches are housed in everything that's uh, recyclable, mm-hmm. from the cone that right. it's in to the comic book, the vintage comic book paper that it sits in, which is 1970s comic book paper. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the stash ball, which is the famous... Uh, cannabis eight ounce jar that the snowball is inside of that's all organic was there cannabis in the snowball no there was not no cannabis just because of the zip code <laughs> just probably because of the zip code because <laughs> where I, yeah in la it's yeah <laughs> but i thought it'd be great to kind of play on pop culture i wanted it to have a young feel this is for the young artists out here it's an opportunity for painters sculptors musicians to sit in a space and don't leave we'll be we'll be 24 hours when we open as a storefront mm-hmm. so like when you come from the studio when you come from painting get you a breakfast sandwich and sit down and if you're feeling compelled we'll have the paint around and you can paint on the shipping container and create we'll have a dj booth like set up if djs want to scratch or make mixes while they're there and in the process of all of that we'll have the the sandwiches and the stash balls available to to buy so it'll be a spot for creatives for creatives yeah and Mm -hmm. everybody's welcome but I wanted a space that when I was growing up, I didn't have here. Right. 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 Because we only really have NOCA. Right. We have everything that we have here as far as an outlet to be able to do the things we want is very uh, it's segregated. There's no like space where you can do all kinds of art in one space, but also eat, too. Right. You're you're an adventurer. Yeah. I like to take some risks. Yeah. And these are I I, I think uh, with uh, the pop up. Yeah. And your career in general. Yeah. Like. You're that adventurer. Yeah. You're going to explore the uncharted territories. Yeah, I like to innovate. And just just by what you said, because there's not that in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, and your musical career was not that available in New Orleans. No. Somebody that kind of say, oh, you know what? When I get into my singing career, I want to be like Artist X. Right. It was not a pop black girl that you could be like, that's who I want to be. Yeah, not one. I love. How do you feel being that one? Because now gnarly, other wow. girls, wow, are be like, wow, Dawn did it her way. Wow, I want to be like her. Have you ever thought about it from that perspective? No, um, I was too busy trying to figure out how to make it happen. I like, I, I, I that's wild. Um, yeah, take a no. breath. Take a breath. I'm like, wow, I, I'm processing that. Uh, that's dope. I, I didn't heart like I didn't know that I was doing that I just knew when I was I felt different and I didn't have I was looking at Grace I was looking at Bjork Grace Jones, Grace Jones uh-huh. and Bjork and I was like man these girls are incredible but nothing from New Orleans looked like that and so at all at all and when I got an opportunity I realized when I was singing at the warehouse and I was getting <laughs> up like yo the warehouse yeah so- like 
Just for those of you guys out there that don't know what the warehouse is, it's not just a little warehouse. No, it's a club. It was a club called the warehouse. Big shout out to Manny Tweldy. <laughs> And, and Glenn, Glenn Charles. And Glenn Charles. Yeah. Uh, they were youngsters <laughs> and started this club over on Earhart off of Carrollton. And uh, I did like so many great yeah, things over the there. <laughs> Plenty good night. We Plenty did uh, night. Fat Foam Fridays. Yo, they had Asian night. They yeah. had Fat Foam Fridays. They had Latin night. And, and I did this. <laughs> Wild Wayne Citywide Talent Search. You did. Which was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just remember you coming around. I had like eight dancers. And mm-hmm. she wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. She said, I got a hit single. I think you were, your pops was rolling with you. He definitely was always yeah, rolling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had a song called Booty in the Pants. Booty in the Pants. Booty in the Pants. And Hot Boy Ronald was on the remix. What? I don't never... <laughs> Hot boy around him. Walk like. I need to play this. Do you have it? Please don't embarrass me. You have a, I, we have a crack. Please don't do that. God, please don't. God, please don't. Please don't do this to me. We, we I know you will. Your eyebrows are suggesting that you definitely will. It's, it's, it's being researched as Please we don't speak. do this to me. When, when, <laughs> when you were in your formative singing oh, years. God. We're going to find it. Oh, uh, but anyway. Um. I hate both of you. <laughs> so much right, so now. Much right now. Um what did you ever want to do like soul music? I wanted the music that or, I would love, like that I liked. Oh, you you didn't care what box it my, fit in. My first concert was at the Orf, the Orpheum. It yeah. was Green Day. Okay. That was my first. So wow. like I never like and then my second was Gwen Stefani was doubt, no doubt. Right. Right. The Tragic Kingdom tour. Did you find it? Oh my God, I hate what is happening and right now. And here it is. <laughs> Please give it up. I hate both for of Dawn Reshore. No. Performing Booty in the Pants. I hate you guys so much right now. You guys are weird. Can you handle all the booty in the pants? I hate all of you in here. Yes, no. yes, oh yes, my god, yes. this is crazy, booty. I cannot deal. <laughs> Jesus Christ, my dad came up with that title. Really what? embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing. Because you know he thinks, yeah, that's crazy, what? right? Yeah, that's my dad. Okay, Pops. Yeah, Pops was always, that's chocolate milk all day. Yeah. So, so just a, a little caveat right. to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Frank Richard, father of Dawn Richard, is one of the original members of Chocolate Milk. Frankie J. So, uh, once again, for those not from New Orleans, and this was actually a little bit before our era, uh, <laughs> They had a song that really skyrocketed called Groove City. Yeah, they still play it to this day. They play it to this day. Be what you wanna be. Be what you wanna be.
They played it then. Would it go? I go. Wait. Let me tell y'all something. That song's a little bit older than me, but I tell you what. It's a groove. Man. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Like they were, they were popular here. Like they were loved here. Still, till this day, Jazz Fest, they do everything still. Did, did the fact that you were growing up in a musical house influence you to sing? No, or did you not, not. want to sing? I or thought you, it was were you, normal. Were you, were you around for that? Yeah. Or was it a little bit before No, your... so my dad, my brother was with my dad. Like, he was older. Well, By, by the time I, I came, my dad was teaching music. Mm -hmm. um, but I was there to get see him get his master's. He was more fully into the education of music. But... Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't experience him in that element, but I grew up literally laying underneath the piano, and every day I woke up, my dad was playing Bach, you know, or, or Debussy, or um, Beethoven. Like he just, my dad's classically trained. Mm, okay. So I was, I grew up with it, but I thought that was normal. That was an outlet. Like I never thought that could be a job. Okay. So I would go to dance at two, and then I would go to my dad. He was Maria Goretti, Saint Maria Goretti. He would play. And those were just things that were natural. I never thought I would have a career in it because in my family, education was first. Right, right. So I was going to get my degree in marine biology. I was playing softball and I was really good at it. So Ma I thought marine I, biology. Marine biology, yeah. Really? Yeah. My brother was in biomedical engineering and I was in marine biology and I had a full ride in softball. Like I was, I wanted to be in the Olympics. Like you was softball. a dog on the field. Like I was the only black girl on my team. What position? Level. I was a catcher. What? Yeah, I was. It was. It was. I was. It was a like a serious. Thing. It was morning, noon, and night. I ate like it was a thing. I was really good at it. Yeah. Wow. And then wow. I was dancing, but that was something that was natural. Yeah. And then and and I, I, I was moving. I was. I you was were fast. bigger then? No, I was fast. Oh, okay. okay. I was fast. And then um, and I had an arm. And then. I got to college and my dad was like, I got accepted to Hawaii Pacific University. And we went to Hawaii, we did, we checked out the school. They had an incredible softball team. And my dad was like, Dawn, if you do this, you won't be able to, you won't be able to sing. Like you won't be able to have the side hustle. And it's a choice. And I made a choice and I didn't apply, I didn't apply to any Louisiana schools. And then I just said, I'm gonna stay home and do music. So I, I, uh, I stayed. Started going to the West Bank to the studio to do all the stuff that I was doing, and I wanted to sing the national anthem for one of the pel the honey. There was the Hornets at the time the for the game because the Saints. I tried and it was so political. You had to know somebody to get it. So I said, "Okay, they won't hire me. I'm gonna dance on the team. I could dance. I, I had my mom on the dancing school as my whole like. So I auditioned for the the Honeybees and made it, and. I got to sing the national anthem because I was on the inside, and that became a thing. So I did that in the morning. I would go to school, I would cut my, I would dance in the honeybees, and then I would sing, and I would go to the studio, and I would drive back and forth to do that. Um, and then the girls was like, "Yo, there's this show called Making a Band, like, and it's singing. Don't you should do it because you sing and dance really good." And I was like, "What person you know has ever been on TV from New Orleans?" Because at that time, reality TV had just started. Puff was. Ahead of the game. The like, closest thing y'all got at that time was fat, fat, and yeah, all of that. Fat, fat, and all of that, all right? And I was like, we never, we never get, uh, a, yeah, we never get, um, we never, it was just something that wasn't, I was like, there's no way. And there wasn't even auditions here. They were, the closest was Atlanta or Orlando. Which one did you go to? So I took 
$200, and I stayed in a Roach Motel in Orlando. A kick, though, huh? In Orlando, and I walked three miles because I was three miles away from the audition. And I just got, I kept getting called back. And then I called my mom, and my mom was like, Don, you're, this is not, you're not going to make that. That's crazy. You went by yourself? Yeah, I went by myself. Yeah, wow. road dog with you? Because my mom and my dad was like, because I tried out for American Idol prior, and they didn't pick me. I got all the way to the third, and they were like, your voice is just too different. It's too deep. It's too different. And uh, at that time, they needed belters. Like, you know, Fantasia had a different voice, but she was a belt. Like, And I was more in of a big run. I was an alto and a tenor. I had mm-hmm. a very different type of voice. Um, so my mom and dad were like, you shouldn't do it again. Like, you got hurt. That would hurt you. So I went by were myself. Were you hurt when you didn't make it on American Idol? I was like, okay, next. My mom was hurt, but I I was tenacious. Like, I was like, okay, fine, next. They're, so lo- I, they're lost. No, more just like, let's try another one. Let's okay. figure it out. Um, and so I, I went to Orlando, and the, the, the best thing could have ever happened with that is he wanted dancers and singers. Mm. And I had... I was freshly trained because I was on the honeybees. So I was I was freshly, like everything was like, you know, to, you know the how pro- to pick it up the, quickly. Yeah, the process right. to pick up was like, so I was like in the prime of it. And I went to Orlando and I was by myself. I stayed in Rose Motel. I came to have, I wore Missy Elliott shoes that came up to the knee, sneakers. Right, right. I never forget it. And um, I got in the line and the first thing that they asked you to do was to sing, and I did that, and I passed. Andre Harrell loved me; he picked me first, and then so all the girls that could sing, they thought they were like in it, and then they that eight count came and they dropped like flies because they didn't know how to dance. They had all these great One, voices. Two, three, four, swing, turn. They- yeah, couldn't. And out of ten thousand girls, he, he they picked three, and I was one of the three. And Ooh. I called my mom, and my mom was like, "What? Who are the other two? These one girl, uh, her name Dominique." It was one of them. And then another girl. Uh, and they didn't make it to the finals because okay. Puff is ruthless. He is ruthless. So really? how was your first encounter with Puffy? This is the best story during ever. All, during all of that <laughs> part. Was he Puffy then? Was he He who, had, who was he just then? like you, he has a thousand monikers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's not, that's not bad. But, no, it's a, it's a good not, thing. It's a good thing. He like, yeah, he, yeah, he, he has a thousand monikers. He was Puffy? He was Puff. He was Puff. 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 He was P. Diddy. P. Diddy. But I, I know him as Puff because, you know, like that was what we called him. I have a, I had an interesting journey with him. His name is Sean. Right? Sean Combs. I'm Sean also. Yeah, okay, see, there you see, go. There we go. The Sean greatness factor. Yeah, it, yeah, I can't stand it. Over. I can't. Yeah. It spills over. You know? Yeah. The, 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 Tell the matter me about your meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, ain't going to be able to fit out the door in a minute. Oh, the it. greatness <laughs> just bleeds off of both of you. The greatness just bleeds off of Sean's. <laughs> We didn't think we'd meet him. We didn't think we'd, just like American Idol, we thought we wouldn't meet. Usually you try out, like American Idol is a lie. Like you don't even see. Go through a million filters. A million filters, right? right? So that's crazy when the bad singer, when you watch TV and you see the bad singer, you're like, how he even made it? No, he did that 18 times. So that was planned, like, right? right? But that wasn't the case. We got to, uh, we we, uh, auditioned in the Apollo Theater. Mm -hmm. And it was, man, it was my first time in it. We were in New York. I had never been outside of New Orleans. And I was like, this is wild. And it was like thousands of girls. We walk in and Lorianne comes in and she's like, all right, everybody line up. Let's learn this eight count. And all of a sudden, Puff walks in. First, like we just had walks in with his sunglasses on. Like boop a And everybody's like, oh my God, what's happening? He had his shades on, of course, because he loves that persona. And he came and sat, sat down. And Lorianne started to teach the 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 count and he stands up 
and this is the, the classic thing. I will never forget this. He says, yo, so the first, the, the three, the, the last three rows in the back, y'all can go ahead and leave because if you sit in the back, you don't, you don't want to be here. Mm. Just like that, cut the first th- three rows in the last back. Three rows, last yeah, three yeah. rows, out. And he was like, I don't want nobody that don't want to be here. If you're not in the front, you ain't trying to be here. So like mass great singers were all in the back. Oh, so if you hiding. don't, they were hiding apparently because they couldn't dance. Or just when you came it out, been random. Oh, you just came. We just walked out on the stage. Oh, we didn't God. have it. Was just like get in where you fit in. But again, if you're an artist and you're a dancer, depending on how you think, some people think the back is better because they don't need to be in. Like they learn different. Other art dancers know. Like when you go to dance, I always just chose the front because I feel comfortable with dance. Like I want to be able to see the, the steps. Some people don't know that. Three in like in three rows of greatness was gone in like the first five five never seconds of chance. never had a chance. Wow, that was puff. Like the shark that was eating that little and seal down, swimming, yeah. just bam, bam, cut, boom, like that. And you was in the front. In the front. Okay. And that began the journey, and and that was our first encounter with him. He didn't say another word after that, and I thought he hated me because I only auditioned, like I only did everything once. Okay. Meaning like he show a rotation, you perform, and then you go, and then he say, okay, I want to see you again. He did that with a lot of the girls, but he never, I only did everything once. And so I was like, oh. So why did you think he didn't like you? You didn't think he was impressed with your, your I, talent level? I was not seen. It was like I performed, and then I was like, boom. And then that was it. Like I never had an opportunity to sing more than once. It was like some girls, he was like, sing it again. And like, no, come you, you like trying to figure it out. But you don't know you're on a stage. And it's just like you're hoping he asked you to come back again and again. Because that means I did not know he liked me until I saw the playback. Mm. And he was like that, you know, that girl is exceptional. That one. And I was like, oh, he actually like I had no clue. Ah. And no clue. I thought he hated me. I was like, I'm, I'm going home. Uh, how was it when that show finally came to fruition. It was the because, most embarrassing thing. Because, you know, a lot of those shows as as pilots in development never come to fruition. Yeah. It happens all the time. He was genius. He knew that this was genius because this was before uh, reality shows were scripted. Like now, reality shows are like, now reality shows are, are they, they're not really reality. They, right. they you know, it's, it's this was brilliant. This is, yeah, this was brilliant. He knew, it was like he put rats in a, in a in a playground and said ow and he just was manipulating it all and the, he the and yeah, the, the band was good but this was better because it was girls all mm. girls it wasn't boys and girls from new york it was girls from all over with all kind of personalities and he manipulated it and he did it geniusly for us it was traumatizing it what was, was the traumatizing. craziest thing that happened that didn't make it to the camera with you okay so I was signed to this group here mm-hmm. um, called Yeah Brother Records. Yes. Yeah. And they were the worst people ever. <laughs> and I don't care if this is not. And I did not, he, I, they, I didn't know when Puff found out that I was still signed, I, I didn't know he wanted me. I just knew he was like, you're signed and that's illegal from the contract, so you going home. And every day after we would do a thing, he would bring me in and be like, I don't know what's going on, but they won't let you go. Are you having sex with these guys? Like, what's going on with this? And I, and he was like, he'd be like, you're not even worth it. I'm gonna, you going home? And I would go to my room and I would be waiting for them to send. And the next day, I wouldn't get sent home. Mm. And he would do it every day, and I would literally be so stressed out, like I lost, like I was so skinny. My dad was stressed out because from what I heard, they were calling my dad, like, how do we get? 
them out of this. So they were asking Puff for a lot of money. Right, right. right, To get me out of the contract. I didn't know any of this was going on. I just knew he got me in and he kept telling me, I'm going to send you home. And he did that. Did you want to punch him in the face? No, because he did other things that were crazy that made me want to punch him. (laughs) Like bringing us in the room and saying, you're ugly. Like you got to fix your face. Like wild stuff. Like Puff was very, it was, but he was preparing us for what the industry would be. But he, if he would have, if we would have done what we did in this time, Puff would have been crucified. Because right, right, you right. can't talk to, right, right, to women right. now. Like the levels of what at he was, all. the at way all. he was saying was like, it was aggressive. It was really aggressive. It was crazy. Um, and then the last day when he was about to pick the band, he made me change 12 times. <gasps> and I didn't know why. Because I just knew I was going home. There would be no way that I didn't think he would buy a contract. I, I didn't know what was going on. And the reason why he's making me change is because he was going to pick me that whole time. But he made me feel like shit and be stressed out because he wanted to see if I would be off my game. If it would change me in any way, Mm -hmm. then he would be like, she's not worth it. I had no clue. I just thought he was like, you trash. He was trying to make you force your way out. Right. And I just never. And and you didn't fold. No, it was. I had no choice. I mean, when the last time anybody from New Orleans was ever had an opportunity all I kept thinking was like, we don't get shots like this. So I just kept like uh, going hard. Yeah, I just kept going every day and he couldn't cut me. And then you, you didn't tell Puffy, come to the night war. No. And then you're going to understand no, why, I didn't. why I'm good. I, but I, I knew after, I realized after that he was always, he was rooting for it. But it, but it was at a cost. And I didn't know that. Um, and I had no clue. I never knew who was going to make the band. But I knew that he was playing with me. And I thought that it was it was because it was good for the show. Because they filmed it all. They just never showed it. Mm. They filmed all. Yeah, I thought he was manipulating me because I was going to be the story of that trash girl that got signed that played us. Like, I thought I was going to be a part of a script. Mm -hmm. So I never knew that whole time he knew the band. Like, he knew what the band was going to be. I never knew that. Hmm. Until after. I'm sure he had it in his head. He just had to make it. He had a plan. He had a plan. I just didn't know that I was a part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so, that's what we say. You have a plan, then there's the plan. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's very true. So that's kind of how it went. But it, nobody ever knew. It, no, it never showed. They never aired it. And so, like, people never knew that that whole time he had bought me out of that contract. He bought that contract out and kept me for Danny Kane. But then I was like, yeah, I brother. owed him after that. Mm-hmm. They were trash. Yeah, brother, that was trash. They were so trash for that because I wasn't even anything to them. Like, I wasn't doing anything here. If they was really rooting for me, they'd have been like, yo, this is just a good look for us. Like, our girl didn't made it. But, but they was like. You know how many artists sign contracts? I was 17. I wasn't even of age. Oh, you could have got out of that one. Yeah, they, but but again, we didn't know. Right, right, right. And and my dad is my dad. He was so, like, excited and nervous. And they were calling him. And he was running around back and forth trying to make it happy. He had no clue what to do. But I didn't know that was happening with my dad. Wow. I didn't even know that. I just was stressed out every day. Crazy. I'm gonna tell you something in um take a couple of steps back. You were speaking about the pop up shop. Yeah. You're speaking about the artists and Wayne, you mentioned that it's for creatives. Yeah. You yourself yourself is a creative. Yeah. I, I was doing some research and the name Danity Kane. I made the name. It was from a character that I drew in high school. Yeah. And it's funny because he wanted to call us Queen Five. <gasps> Queen Five. <laughs> Huh? It's like Puff Nine, bro. That's yeah. not it, uh-huh. bro. That that part, that part, that <laughs> part is your genius, Puffy. That part, of, hey, that part of Sean didn't roll over. On you. <laughs> it didn't roll on you. It didn't nah, roll. you can't. You neglect that, that one. You neglect that one. Jackson, yeah, Queen Five, Queen Five. Five. He wanted to be Queen Five, and I was like, 
why I thought it'd be dope if we could have a name because again I grew up loving the other so I loved Hoobastank at the mm-hmm. time Hoobastank was really hot Green Day right. all these names of like rock bands that I really loved and I was like it'd be really dope if a pop group was named like uh, 30 Seconds to Mars or like it was named after these cool rock bands right. and I thought Danity Kane was such a random like name and it was crazy because I didn't realize that you did all of that stuff we did an interview and for whatever reason, we had this downtime before we did the interview. Yeah. And she just zoned out on me. When? She, she grabbed a sheet of paper and she just started drawing. Oh, John. She drew all of these anime characters. <laughs> I and I came back that. and That's I was like, who drew that? Uh, me? <laughs> I, I like, didn't even remember that. That's crazy. And, and yeah. it was my, my son was, he was younger. Yeah. And he loved uh, anime and kawaii. Yeah, kawaii. All, all yeah. different types of yeah, um, I did too. Uh, art and especially cartoon type yeah. art. Uh, but that's when I was another time I was like, she cut different. Yeah. She's cut a little different. And I didn't have nobody to really share that with. My mom and dad, that was so beyond them. Like they didn't even, they just supported it. My right. dad really, but you know, it, it was just a little bit there was no place for me to, and I went to schools where there was no place for me to really right. even no, cultivate that. So, so Danny King. Yeah. Tell me about Danny King. <laughs> Why you smile when you because, say <laughs> it's, Yikes. Yeah. Like, of course, I mean, it was a, a huge it was big. opportunity it was for you big, and it, it opened doors globally. Yeah, it was big. Uh, we could have been so with, big. With the group. That you came up with the name for. Yeah. Uh, your blood, sweat, and tears, you you girls together. Um, <laughs> you don't even know how to word what? it. <laughs> That's sad when you got to like, have that long like, pause. Like, no, no, no. I, so I did some, I had a group, right? Yeah. I had a girls group. Mm-hmm. It was called Black Ice. Why your eyebrows? Did I know Black Ice? One of the girls in there I went to school with. I know all of them. Yeah, Very Brandy. Well. Brandy. Yeah, we we ran across yeah. them too. Brandy. Like, I went know. to school with her. And, and I just knew. Yeah. Well, I didn't know then what I know now. Of uh-huh. course. Welcome. The difficulty Women. of having a girls group. It's very difficult. <laughs> It ain't easy. You know what's crazy? Yours was good because they were all from here. Imagine having girl group that was competing. A girl group that were competitors to, to for each other's part. Who was going to be like to the lead dog, and then had to be sisters, and was different ethnicities from different ways of life. So you had privileged girls, you had girls that don't even understand the concept of a hustle. You got chicks from Atlanta, New Orleans, and then like Palm Springs. Shannon was from Bend, Oregon. That's a Republican strong there. Right, 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 on sign to bad boy, yeah. Yeah. and then a Mexican girl that like diversity. <laughs> yeah, but in a time <laughs> where that wasn't adversity. at the time where that wasn't even that wasn't done, right, right, and we were competitors, like the levels of that, and we were expected to then be these sisters that had known each other for a long time and had this amazing chemistry when we were competing, and most of the time we were in different groups. Dre and I were the only we were the only ones that have all been in the same when we were competing. We were in the same group all the time, mm-hmm. which meant our structure was solidified. So me and Drea worked, even on our albums, we sung together. Right. We were the, like the core of the hooks. Mm-hmm. But that was because we had learned to sing together. But the other girls, I had never been in a group with them right. during the competition. So now you gotta like say, by the way, now here's this album. How you these- feel about that? Like, you know, <laughs> it, it's, 
Yeah. The biggest thing that could have been. It was yeah, we would have been huge. We would have been the biggest girl group. Like no no question cuz so Destiny's was Child was big but they were black. Right. Right? The the, the closest was Spice Girls because Spice yeah. Girls was a That's mixture right. of yeah. we were the first that that was that diverse. And they had Puffy behind you. Man. And Puffy at that particular was time that, was the was one. The music guy. He was the one. For Take pop it. culture. Yeah, come on now. Echo Echo. You love him? I love Puffy. Mm-hmm. Um, love you mm-hmm. know, he was a a, a fat <laughs> Fashion connoisseur. He was, he was a ladies' man. He was uh, a, like a mogul mm-hmm. at a time when uh, there weren't many young black. He was moguls. the best marketing professor I've ever had. That as well. Mm-hmm. And you, you did? Did y'all try to make it work? Yeah, we did a couple of times. Y'all, but y'all had fights and yeah, y'all but, broke up and got back together and broke up and got back together. It's like a bad marriage. But let me tell you, that's some real. Sh- but listen. Our label didn't believe in us. We were a show. Like one Puff saw money. Like he saw ratings. And he MTV was what he that was what the money was. Danity Kane was just a concept of something bigger, right? He had no clue we were gonna be that big. I'll tell you, when we first came out, they said only only do 100,000 copies because they're not gonna sell more than Cassie. That's what they told us when the first album came out. We sold 100,000 in a day. And they had to figure out how to get more units in by the time of the week. And they, they barely got it. And we wound up selling 230,000 copies. And we could have sold more. We were in the Guinness Book of Records forever. But the y'all only were, group. Y'all were limited it. because they didn't have enough product. They didn't believe in it. They didn't think we would. They didn't think we would sell. Mm. They had no clue we would be that big. And then we got out there. And when we toured, they wouldn't give us any money. So we were sewing our costumes from Forever 21. No, who wouldn't give you any money? The label. The label. Which label was that? We were on Bad Boy. I'm, I'm, yeah, we were on, oh, Bad sorry. Boy Universal? Yeah. We, no, we were Bad Boy Atlantic. Atlantic. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was, a, it's just the truth that Puff really, he saw the money in the show. And then when they realized how massive it was. Caught him off guard. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's so, figure this out. So he was more interested in the television version. Of yeah, the he was He was making, the, that the, making the, the band was huge, the exactly. The, the TV rights and the he owned rights it. He owned and it. the he owned music all of it. they were creating. He was, owned all of it. He owned all of it. So for him, that was the crop. And, and it was easy to make. You didn't have to manage girls on the road and get them dressed. He was, we had Johnny was, Wright as our manager, and Johnny Wright at that time had Britney Spears, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Like we had all the right components. Um, and then we blew up, and then the ear, the people in the ear started happening, right? We started making stars. You, Because we were the first girl group that had five lead singers. There was no lead singer. Mm. We were all one. We were all could dance. We were all. It had never really been like that. Spice Girls. There were like two singers, and then and the doo vibers, <laughs> Pussycat Dolls. It was Nicole and Melody, and then dancers. Destiny's Child. They had. They made be the the lead, even though the girls were. You know, Kelly and Michelle are incredible, but yeah. B was yeah, kind of. Kelly was kind of the lead at first, but. No, it was always B. It was always B. But Kelly and when B, I met them, Kelly was like that girl. But I think. Kelly and B were very similar vocally. They were raised mm-hmm. under the same. Them two understood each other. It's like their Drea and me right. thing. Like they were very, very similar singing styles. Right, right. Um, but again, the world may be that thing, right? Well, we weren't that. There was no one without the other. And then the the, the people started coming in and saying, you know, why are you not the lead? You the lead. You the lead. You this. You that. And it started to filter within us as a group. And because we had no one caring about the containing that structure because we were babies we were 17 18 19 um it fell apart it fell apart what was the last straw 
for you? We were, we did a show at Six Flags and we were all in different trailers. Which one? Atlanta, we California? Went, we or? were in... We were in the Texas. West Coast, Texas, maybe Texas, uh-huh. um, and we all came in different cars, and we all were in different trailers. And I was like, "This is wild." And I found out later that Aubrey had like full-on relationships with our managers, and we didn't even—I didn't even know the girl. She had like a full-on relationship. Like there was a lot of like, like that was her boo. She was having relationships, relationships. like so she was she was protected in the sense, and, uh. and it didn't make other people comfortable. And I think that was the last draw. She was getting offers to go do Broadway without the group. Wow. We would perform and she wouldn't show up. Mm. So like, you were done. I'm out of here. This no, is- no. We were, we, were, we were doing shows and we would be like, let's go. And then just she wasn't there. She didn't come. And that affected, that affected course, the, the group members. So Puff, right, we were in the, we, we got called back and he said, I'm taping this. And we got in, we sat in this Scooby-Doo white van and we all said, you know what? We're not going to say nothing. Let's just say we, we, we cool. Let's get a third album and let's like go in and tell them we Gucci. Let's get this money. And everybody in the car was like, bet. Then we get in the room and he says, I'm hearing y'all having problems. Y'all talking reckless. What's going on? And Aubrey was really mouthy at that time. But here's the thing. A woman should be able to say what she want to say. So at that time, she felt like she had issues. He asked her how she felt and they went, well, we know you have a deal with Dawn as a solo artist. And I was like, wait, what? So like we had had a conversation in the car and then they it did not happen that way. Right. So then they had a, a whole thing about Puff picking me as a solo artist and that he had chosen me. And I was sitting at the table like it was the Twilight Zone. And I was like, like no, he did? No, no, no. The world wants to know. Yeah. Did you have a side No, mm. no. So where did it come from? They said MTV told them that. They said MTV had told them that Puff, because Aubrey was really close with the crew. She had a relationship. And uh, I had no, like I was, so I was sitting at the table and my face was confused the whole like table. I was like, what's going on? Were, and he fired her. Were you guys, during the time of Danny King, were mm-hmm. you guys pursuing other interests? No. No. I'm just trying to figure out where the rumor would come from. No, the only person that was pursuing other stuff was Aubrey. Aubrey had an opportunity. And my thing was, I was cool with it. I felt like go get it. Like I never cared because I was just happy to be there. Like I didn't. I had no problems. But other girls and I, they would have issues, and we would talk about it. And my dumb self would be like, "Okay, let's have a meeting." And I tried to moderate <laughs> it, and I became the girl that everybody thought I had an issue. And I was like, "Well, whole time y'all don't really care." I don't so, really so care. So, what was Puffy's response when they said that you you guys had a side deal? What, what did he, he fired. Say? Aubrey on national television because mm-hmm. he didn't like the way she was she was control he this is the thing Puff built Aubrey up he built her up on television you made her a star like he, he called her you the only white girl with black he he did that and then she felt it it was Frankenstein she, she it was felt the classic it. Frankenstein and so she came back her titties was done she came back and then was like yeah. I'm that girl as she should he made her that but then he got mad because the direction of the group wasn't what that wasn't what he wanted the direction of the group to be. I mean, you create the monster, right. the monster and kills you. And she started talking to him. <laughs> and as and he allowed her as and again as a white woman, she felt she could talk to he allowed her to talk to him any kind of way. And he was, Me and D could not talk to Puff that way because we would be the angry black women. Right, that would not right. fly. He gave her that leniency, so she got real comfortable. Started smelling herself. Well, she felt herself an equal. Right. Mm-hmm. Because on the streets. She was hanging with Kim Kardashian. She was hanging. She had the field. She had every right. She had every right. And he was like, oh, no, but 
let me let you feel this real fast. Let me reel you in. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like worth. I'm a billion I'm, sitting I'm, here. I'm like gonna, I'm, I'm gonna show you better than I can tell and, you. I'm and his it. pride, and he said, "Fire it, boom, like that." And I was like, "Oh, this is oh." And then D, being D, spoke up, and uh, she wasn't happy, and so he just put her in that category. D could have stayed, but at that point, he was like, "You want you what? You go." And so they had this this idea was put out to the world that I, Puff had this thing with me. That after we finished and he definitely happened, I was, Katrina had happened. We were in Baltimore. I was seven months in my house with no money. Just like, what is going on? So people thought you and Puffy were an item? No, they thought he had picked me as an artist. I I know that. I know that. Yeah, as a solo artist. But did people think y'all? No, but I think they may have. I don't know. I was so busy as confused as to what was the next step. Right. Um, because we were, they were based in New York and I was in Baltimore just sitting there like, what is happening right now? And so after the first month of just sitting around, like, cause at that point our business manager was indicted. We lost money. Like it was crazy. <laughs> wow. Like, and, and meantime, guess who bought me out of a contract? So guess was who was still on the label? I was, was still on the, still on the label yeah. and I was hearing that Recu- people recuperables and I was hearing rumors that Puff was known for putting people on shelves. Like you would just be on the label and now have a whole like Sherry Dennis hadn't even had our first album. She was signed to Puff for like ten years, right, right, and I was right. like, "Oh my God, I'm about to just have no career ever about again." To collect dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to just well, be you're on payroll, right? No, <laughs> no, no. She no. was already knee deep after he bought out the contract. No, I he had still no was money. I had no money, and I had only needed, the money that she I had to given make him more money. Yeah, so then I started taking the train. The New Orleans hustling us, right? I took the train to, to New York, and I was like, Puff, can I just take the shitty studio, like the small studio, and just write? And he was like, cool on your dime. So I would take the train back and forth, and I would just write. And I would write like five to six songs a day, and I would just email it to him. And I did that for seven months. Mm. He didn't have heard from him. He was just like, whatever. And then I got a call, and he was like, oh, yo, I'm doing this, uh, this, uh, this uh, group project. It's called Project 27. And I'm thinking about having maybe Brandy and Kay Young and me. Like, I'm going to do a soul to soul vibe. And I'd like you to be one of the writers. And I was like, hell, hell yeah, cool. I'll just be a writer. I won't be an artist anymore. I'll just be a writer. Because, um, you know, at that time, Esther Dean, all these girls was making mad money right, as writers. Right. So I was like, cool. So I went to New York and I just started writing. And I was getting these insane tracks, y'all. Like, tracks you have never heard of. In your, like, Prince-level tracks. And I, and I think about going from Danity King right. and then getting records from like you know Rodney Jerkins and like, like all this like mu- musically gifted like producers gifted, yeah like insane and I was just like oh my god right, right like writing <laughs> and I'm like this is and I would get records and I would hear this other girl on it and she was dope mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know who this is but this is dope so I would do my voice with her voice and then I got a call and Puff was like I want you to go to Atlanta and go in the studio with Rodney Jerkins Rodney Jerkins and this girl named Kalina and I was like okay mm-hmm. I went in that studio and I was like, I had never seen excellence at that level. Like Kalina was so dope to me and so incredible. And they were just doing these sick, we did that for a week. And I, the record we did, the records we did together, she inspired me, she motivated me. And again, I had just come from a group where it wasn't that. It wasn't that. We were very much like leftover and a leftover idea to something that was so next level. And then I got a call, a conference call, like two months after that. And then Kalina and I was on the phone. And he was like, yeah, so, you know, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for both of y'all. And uh, I want to know, uh, you know, 
would y'all be in my group? And me and Cleena was like, hell yeah, we'd be in your group. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and after that, I experienced one of the most incredible albums, and I was a part of one of the most incredible albums to this day that has ever been done, and that was Last Train of Paris. And I was a part of Diddy Dirty Money. And that's how I, and so that made it worse because then everybody was like, see, I we told, told you, you right. she had this thing with Puff when whole time right. that was not the case. They, did, they had no idea. So no the, idea. The trials and tribulations. The trials and tribulations. Right. If I didn't know the story, the I struggle would actually bus. think that, that Puffy had a, 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 you and Puffy had a, a side deal or a back No, deal. I wish. That would have been so financially great it. for me. Huh? Yeah. Both you're, that. you're explaining it and laying it all out. Yeah. Let everyone know that. No one ever knows, knew it either. Yeah, no one ever knew it. And uh, that. so then I went from having a man that was a boss, my boss, someone that had layers separated from him to living in his home and seeing him as a father and he being my group member. So like understand that dynamics. Um, you went an eight hundred million dollar boss that you couldn't that was so unattainable. Like it was like he controlled you as a puppet level to like you vocally training him, like in the studio like with him. Your, like like now, I'm vocally producing him because he's now because he's a singer. He, he's not he's never been a singer so and he wants he, to sing. Y'all are y'all are he's your counterpart now, now. like an equal. Like yeah. yeah, and and he's asking me to help him vocalize these records. Right. So that became like wild to me, like right, right, what right. and not just going to a studio and living in his home and recording in his home, being around his family, his mother. Like it just was. That was mind boggling wow. to me. Yeah. And then, you know, being in a studio and just Buster Rhymes, Drake, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Kanye, was, Pharrell, just walking on through, hanging out with us, drinking like everybody. just was like, was the group and the music. In the concepts, too progressive? Yeah, people slept. And here's the thing, right? I will say this to the end. I would have always stayed. I would have stayed in Danity Kane because I always wanted to be a part of a group. And I would have stayed in Dirty Money. Mm. Puff dictated my career mm. twice and shut it down twice. Wow. And it was the saddest thing because I think with Dirty Money, he let it go because he was devastated that pe he just knew it was gonna go, and when it didn't, he let it go. He quit it. He right. Hurt. He was hurt because he put so much money, and I'm so mad at him for doing that because I felt like if he would have just stayed the course, man. Because everybody stole stole a like they they this it like right now, Dirty Money would be so next level and so on point, and I'm so mad at him for giving up. I'm I'm mad at him. He don't like to fail, and I'm mad at him for for not. Not sticking the course on that because I think we were incredible. You know, but uh, with 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 the people that have those type of brilliant ideas, yeah, it sometimes hurt they get real salty. Yeah, if it, it hurt doesn't him. blast he was off sensitive. immediately because you know the greatness that it like has. Like he had spent money and it was great, and he and again he probably got pissed with the public. He did, for and it was crazy for me because right, I went from sewing Forever Twenty One costumes, right, right, no one caring to wearing Redarte and to wearing Gucci and Versace and wearing all of these like designers that, I mean, I was wearing ten fifteen thousand $15,000 outfits a day. Mm -hmm. The levels of my mind, like it was like to see both sides of it, right? To see both sides of it was like, my our first show was 50,000 people in Brazil at Fashion Rocks. We went on a plane with Grace Jones and I met, Grace was on our album. 
Like, like I got to vocal produce Grace Jones. Huh? I mean, Did the you levels. Spaz when you met bro, Grace Jones? we was drinking and smoking, bro. It was like crazy. <laughs> it was like she was with drunk and high, and she was singing and yeah, yeah, you would. And I don't like. I can't explain to anyone the levels of understanding that that duality of seeing both sides of what it means to be at the pit of something and then to be a part of something that someone puts like the actual money beyond, right? right you know, be, behind. And it was cool to watch. Uh, but he got sad, man. I mean, we did SNL. Like, I was one of the first, like, to be the on SNL. The first New Orleans girl to be on, to to be be on, on SNL. Saturday Night Live. Like, that shit was insane to me, y'all. Like, I, Ben Stiller with my parents met Ben. Like, the levels <laughs> of what that was was like, I, man, I was so mad he let that go. We got, he, we got, he just, he broke us up on an email. Like he hit us up and was like, oh, wow. yeah, we're going to do the BET Awards. We're going to win best group. And then that's going to be it. That's going to be us. We was in the middle of tour. And we just let it go. Wow. And I was like, so that was the second time that I had all this opportunity. And it was just like, we good. So with that happening, <laughs> and, and you getting punched in the face again. Twice. Sean. Like, Twice. Uh, I still went to him. Still went to him and I said, Bruh, we we had transitioned when we did Dirty Money. We were with Interscope. We left Atlantic and went to Interscope. And I was like, "Yo, real talk, I'm loyal, right?" I was like, "If I do my solo career, I would love to be on this label with you." Like, and he was like, "If you do this kind of music or anything remotely close to this Dirty Money thing, um, then why they gonna sign you?" Like, cause the, cause he at that point was like, "If you do this progressive, nobody ain't gonna rock with that. Like, you need to do standard R and B. Like, you gotta change your records." And I was just like, yeah, but you saw what this was. You see your, your face just left. Oh my. Because it threw me for a look. We were doing, like, you can't tell. It's like working at the largest level and then saying, yeah, nah. Everything you just, for three years, I was dealing in this progressive space. Like, I was, we were doing music that was so progressive. Let me tell you, like, I, I, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like your feelings and emotion are palpable right yeah, now. Yeah, I was like, confused, man. I was so sad. I was devastated. Because you have to understand, like... Like, you're reliving it right now. I'm watching you. I couldn't you. believe it. I couldn't believe... It was so good. If Like, I had... And I was alone that whole process. I had no manager. I had no one. I was alone in that entire thing. I was going through that alone. Nobody was looking out. Like, I didn't want to tell my parents how crazy... Things were. Things were. Right. And, and I, I was like... I. I was like, I couldn't believe it was the second time that something so great was just like, hmm, I'm done. So with that being said, <laughs> when when you had no more recourse, right. man, he's telling you that if you want to be a, a, a solo artist, go it ain't going to work unless you do it the traditional yeah. R&B soul singer and yeah. be the angry black woman or whatever the crap was. Um is that what drove you to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it indie and stick with it? How could you have a teacher like him and him expect anything different? Mm. Puff is an innovator. Everything he did was amazing. And I was under him for eight to nine years. How then would you think your student would not be anything but that? I only knew what that was and I was hungry for it. I had been fed something and it was something that was close to me because it was, I was loving things like that when I was younger. So how did you move on? I said, okay. You're like, I'm out? I, I can't. No, he said, I'm gonna let you go, but you gotta like, say, Let you go, like get, let you out of your I'm contract? I'm gonna let you out of your contract and I say, like, long as you just 
don't say shit negative. Like nope. you just nope. go through life and just keep going. And I said, sure. You gave me an opportunity. So I stayed quiet and he let me out of everything. Was was that the start of your mixtape career? Were you so then I did a mixtape right after. No. I, that was the beginning. I never wanted to be a solo artist. Right, I right. always want my dad was in a group. I mean, but, 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 yeah. but things have forced you. That's that what I'm way. saying. Like my dad was in a group. I loved bands, rock bands. I wanted to be in a band. Like I loved bands. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to try this solo thing. So I did a mixtape just to see if anybody would even listen. Mm-hmm. And I had a million downloads in a day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I should. And so then I started saying, you know what? I'm going to make the music that my 13-year-old self would love. I'm going to just go balls to walls and go underground. Because I had loved Portishead, like these underground artists. So I was like, I'm going to just go underground and see what that feels like. I'm going to animate again, and I'm going to just do that. And I created this record called Golden Heart. Mm-hmm. And I did a trilogy That's of right. colors. Golden and Heart. Golden Heart. So the industry, the indie kids, like Pitchfork and fader and all these like cool kids mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. like yo there's this girl that was in a mainstream pop group and now she's make they were like they it turned their heads they were like this is actually incredible but they were like we don't know if this is real or not is this a gimmick what it no not a gimmick they were like could she make this like because they thought it was mainstream was the only thing and they were like this is really progressed like this no girls could make that kind of music right, right. so then it was like i got like a 8.4 or whatever on pitchfork and they were like okay then i did Blackheart, right. and then the industry was like this may be one of the first things we've ever seen where a girl goes from mainstream and pop culture and then creates one of the most progressive r&b elements of like goes into a because the first one pitchfork called go to heart game and thrones game of thrones r&b game of thrones and b <laughs> Because they were like, we've never heard anything like this. Then they heard Blackheart and they were like, I don't even know. No black girl. There wasn't a, a space right there for black girls in indie. I was independent. Nobody was really rocking with indie at that time. And I was a black girl making this music that they didn't have a genre for. And they were like, we're sold. Right. And it was one of my highest ratings on a Metacritic the ever. Metacritic, yeah. Ever. I had gotten. And then, so I wasn't getting mainstream love, but the underground, I started getting booked. Like, people were like, this girl is, this is some incredible you work. Did, but you started getting a little play on television with it. Like, yeah. Like 106 and Park. 106 and Park. Like, I did the bombs. I was And I was adding videos to it. And I was ending and I was doing elaborate videos. Like, that nobody financially with an indie could do. And they were confused. What do you think, Sean, with... What do you think Puffy was doing? He was ha- he was um, he was he was shocked. I, I said Sean could be cool. Yeah, like Puff. That. Yeah, obviously because you're best friends. <laughs> yeah, you're Sean. the same you're twins. Yeah, we in a group together. Obviously, you're twins. It's Sean. It's called Sean Squared. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> Sean Squared is great. Um, he was proud, but he wasn't openly proud. Puff didn't support loudly. He supported like he was just like that's what's up, you know. But I never got any full support from him. Well, why do you think that? It's not as it's not who he is. I don't take it personal. Puff is exact. This is what I appreciate about him. He exactly who he's exactly who everyone thinks he is. He didn't. Ch- he was exactly what I thought he would be, and I didn't expect him to. He gave me an opportunity, and it's up to me to figure out what to do with that. I don't, he doesn't owe me anything. Nobody really does in this industry. You got to figure that out for yourself. If you if you smart, you'll make an opportunity happen for yourself. Yeah, but you brought me here twice and you didn't kick me out twice. I mean, so that's the business. Is, 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 is giving me a little. Says who? This business was never nice. Uh, this business right. is cutthroat. Like, I never expected him to. And I wasn't looking for it. I was grateful for the opportunity. I was out. I had my rights. I had my publishing. Why would I ever be mad at that? 
Like I, I was yeah. own I was owning all my masters. Good. The 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 crazy part was I owned everything. So when I did Golden Heart, I could license all my music and get them on all kind of shows because I own my masters. Let me stop you right there. Mm-hmm. What does owning your masters do for you? It gives you the opportunity to own your publishing and everything behind the record, the build of the record, everything. So if you want to license it to say like a show, Insecure, I gave my record Sands to the to the to the um the show and it played. You get residuals off that, and you don't have to call a label. You don't have to call seventeen producers to get the approval. You don't have to split anything. You own all of it. Most times when you see big songs that win Grammys, they have seventeen people on that list. Cause they've created like Last Train of Paris. That those writers, that bill, they were all on that the, was Frankenstein. Like all on the split sheet. <laughs> man, it was like seventy five people per song. Like that's <laughs> crazy. Like the the way they broke those records up. I owned and I only worked with one producer, and most of them I co produced. So I owned all of it. So you talk about creating your narrative. Yeah, ownership. I owned it. So it made it easy to move. I released it when I wanted to. I did all the. Sh- I owned it. So by the time Blackheart came, I was in tech. I was in tech heavy. I understood the market of the underground culture and I was cold calling everyone. So when I got press, it was because I had called them personally, Vogue, Pitchfork, and they were like shocked at the level of how I was doing it. Um, And they were like, that's what's up. They appreciated it. So when I released Blackheart, I was like, I'm gonna go heavy in the tech space and be one of the first black girls in the indie space to deal with tech. So by the time Redemption came, which was the third album, I released it on a USB and it was in VR. No girl in from that, like at that time, no black chick, especially from New Orleans, ever put out a VR. Well, not video. many people, period, in the yeah. world. Like in this v- a virtual, this reality. virtual reality video, it was kind of like 40. Yeah. It's like, you know, you. It's beyond it, it, 4D. It, you could be in the space. It's crazy. Like, um, I remember when that came out and I was. Yeah, you it, could touch you can, it. You, you could can grab it. Reaching for it right? Yeah. It was really. So I put the strange. album on a necklace and it yeah. was a USB necklace and on it was the album and a trailer that was conti- like completely in 3D. I mean, completely in VR and um, a fashion book all within a USB. And I released that with. Now, this is all indie. This is no label. This is all just. Two people. Well, give us a, a, a time, a date. When, when was this? So 2011 was Last Train of Paris. So mm-hmm. then 2013 was Golden Heart. 2014 was Black Heart. 2016 was Redemption. So we're doing this four or five years ago, VR. Yeah, four five years ago. Yeah, and then YouTube was paying attention, and they wanted to do their first 360 live performance ever. I saw that too. And they called me to do it. What's, what's mm-hmm. 360 live? So 360 is when you perform and you can have an Oculus, which is a camera in the middle of the, the room, and you can see it from every vantage point. Mm-hmm. So I performed for YouTube's first 360 live performance, and it was me. Right. I did it with no label. Well, I, I, I remember that. No label. We don't have one? Uh, no, we don't have an Oculus, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, but but we're, 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 we're working. Working Work on it. it. Uh, right. So like again, we <laughs> were right, Sean. like we were we were ahead when and it was with no label and no PR team, no nothing. We were hustling, and people were just like shocked because I had had a backwards trajectory, right? Usually you go underground, you get big, and then you get a label. I had went from mainstream success to, to underground to underground and became the queen of the underground. And not not a queen of the underground, but I think usually they separate it, right? Industry people look at mainstream as a joke, right? They don't really take they don't take pop culture they they pride themselves in understanding the the what the cult following is right, right? 
and these were people that were paying that some of these people that were my fans had never even knew what Danity Kane was. Right. So it just shifted. It shifted completely. And um, I was super grateful because I was doing like eight to nine videos per album with no Look, nothing. I'm going to be very honest with you. So I, I was paying attention. I knew what were you, you were doing. Were you in? Not everything. <laughs> but I did not know the scope. Yeah. And I think you might you might have Send me a message on Twitter or something. I sent you a few. <laughs> and and I reposted some stuff. Yeah. And it was like 50,000 views or, yeah. or likes or something. I was like. Yeah. I knew she was Just a different stuff, demographic. But I had no idea the scope. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't in wasn't your Danity world. Kane. And it wasn't in your world. I was tr Because the truth is, what I was giving you was something you probably couldn't even couldn't do anything, do anything with, with it, it other than listen but i was trying to show you there was something new orleans right. was more right we were more and, I, and, like and I everything said, i was doing new orleans was present in what i was doing see I, that's why I, I have to make sure that i said it because some people are like you, you wouldn't ride with her during that time. i was like <laughs> what did it sound like I, like what did they sound like when man you wouldn't ride with that girl bro like that's how they sound i like look we had a piece then and then she ventured off and did her own thing yeah. and made things happen and I was doing my own thing I yeah. didn't I didn't I, I wanted to see it I didn't even really yeah. know I wanted um, New Orleans to see that we were more I was trying to show that we were more than jazz we were more than bounce we had a progressive because everything was rooted from New Orleans like literally every headdress I wore was uh, paid to the the, the Carnival Indians mm -hmm. it was based off of the Washita Nation and what my, my, my grandfather and my great uncle who was Harold Fetterson who designed most of the Wild Chapatula's costumes. Mm -hmm. I was putting everything to the point where in Redemption, I only featured New Orleans. I worked with Trombone, mm -hmm. Shawty, and I worked with PJ. And they mm -hmm. were on the album, on a progressive electronic album. I had both of them on it. So I was showing love to New Orleans in everything that I was doing. And I was trying to show that New Orleans could be so much more than what we were limited to. And it was shocking because when people found out I was from New Orleans, Vogue and Fader and Surface and all of them were like, they had never experienced that type of artist coming from New Orleans. Like they, it was just really new. Right, well, they were um, conditioned. They, right, and they were excited. Mm -hmm. um, and and I was sad that it was predominantly white people because I was like, this is I, everything I was doing, even from the lyrics, was all for black culture. But at that time, black people weren't even understanding what VR was. You know, but I was right. trying to show, like, yo, we are out here doing some incredible things. Um, but I was okay, unlike Puff, I was okay with no buying, with, with people being ahead. I was mm -hmm. okay with it. Right. It wasn't gonna stop me. Um, and so I continued it. And then um, I, this last album I put out was called New Breed. Mm -hmm. And it was a love letter to New Orleans. And it every intro and outro had, you know, Chief Montana on it. It had women of the tribe on it. And it spoke about black culture and African culture with Native American culture and how our indigenous culture in New Orleans was the setting for what we are today. Um, well, see that Night War song? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, it's got, like, I had New Breed, I had The Nine on there, I had Catch Up and Pull Boys as the title of the record. Like, I really wanted to show New Orleans in a light. I used my dad's old music, Chocolate Milk is on there. They sampled. Mm -hmm. I got some of the mm -hmm. Say Won't You Not, uh, uh, Say, won't say won't you is on there. Yeah. Groove City is on there. Yeah, I paid love to my dad and to Chocolate Milk and what they were, but I did it in a, pro I, I took them to the, I made it futuristic mm -hmm. and I took it progressive and um, it got mad love too. 
And uh, I went on tour with that and traveled the world with that. So I was able to travel the world. I was able to do a lot of things as an indie artist. Um, all with New Orleans in, in the back of my mind always. And uh, I posted this video like not too long ago and Puff hit me up and was like, I'm proud of you, sis. And I was like, it's good to see you do that out loud, bro. Like, it's good to right, see you do that in right, public. Because right, right. I had never had it. And nobody would sign me because they wouldn't touch me because I was with him. What, what do you tell? They wouldn't touch me. They wouldn't sign me. What do you tell the young black girl or the young brown girl Yeah, out there that loves music mm-hmm. but wants to do it her own way? What, what, do you, what do you tell them? Because what you did in terms of the music choices that mm. you made, especially post Puffy, mm. were courageous. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people go wouldn't want to do it. They wouldn't want to. Well, do what do you tell it. that girl? Hard. You know, yeah. and I know it's a little bit different now. Yeah, because you got some people like Ari Lennox and yeah, the Lizzo's of the world, and yeah. all of these different people that are doing it completely, killing it outside of uh, the norm. Yeah. Um, what What do you tell that girl that wants to get in? Come to Papa Tez and let's talk. <laughs> Come to Papa Tez <laughs> truck and let's talk because that's the space for us to do it. That's a space for them to be able to do it. That's number one. But beyond that, real talk, um, I I always get weird about advice because I feel like everybody's journey is going to be different. Like mm. you could hear someone's advice, but I'm going to put it honest with you. Like you're going to have to just go through it. I think the trust of take the risk, but when you take the risk, understand when you take it, you better be ready for what comes with it. Mm-hmm. I was okay with failing because I had lost twice. And I felt like at that point, I, I had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose. And so like, and, and, and that I was okay with the world, with, I was okay with it not digesting. At first I was upset because I was like, yo, this is something really great and nobody's paying attention. And then after a while I was like, yeah, but to be honest, I'm from New Orleans. You know how many talented people? We do this in life. There are people who are broke who are just on the corner just better than anyone else around here. Right. That's who we are. Like I, My dad never was a musician because it was rich for him. We weren't. We were a middle class family. But I know this. My grandfather had a brain surgery could not walk, forgot how to walk, and walked to a piano and played. Couldn't talk, but he walked to a piano. I watched it and played a piano with staples in his head. Mm-hmm. I watched my dad practice every day. I, I don't know a time when my dad is not on that keyboard practicing. I only know that. So you, you say you're kind of funny about advice. Um, Meaning like I don't ever want to give any because people take sometimes people take advice and make that the blueprint. Right. You know what? And then are sad when it doesn't when it go doesn't directly as planned. Well, you said to do this this and this yeah in this business everybody got a different trajectory mm. it's, it's, it's success is success is what you design it go to be. get it go get it and, and and you have to go and get it because but get it and be ready be th- ready this is what it, get it and be prepared don't go get it and you don't have the tools right. don't i was lucky i will again i'm not happy with all the decisions that were made you by puff not lucky Huh? You were not lucky. No, no, here's the, the thing. The book I, is written. No, it is written, but I say it to say, I say that meaning P- Puff wasn't, it was not all great, but but man, did he teach me to have the tools to be ready. It was amazing lessons. Lesson, breadcrumbs that I will take 
I refuse if I'm going to take the risk. I'm okay with whatever the outcome because I can create it. It, Like it doesn't matter where it falls. It can be done. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at the best of my ability so that no matter if no one loves it, they cannot say it wasn't of quality. Right, right, right. Be ready. So if you want to take the risk, take the risk, but be ready with the tools to be able to do it. Some people say, I'm going to go do this, but they're not built to sustain what comes with it. Like if you decide to take a risk, understand you're going to probably be out there on your own. To be ahead means you won't be loved. To be ahead means they're going to miss that train. And probably when you die, you'll be great. Mm -hmm. To be David Bowie wasn't amazing. He died and then we said, oh, David Bowie was great. We didn't appreciate grace, grace like that. We still don't really. When she dies, we will understand. But we still like to be innovative means you will have to understand they won't love you now. Like, that's the truth. You out there by yourself. You got out there by yourself. Yeah. You got to be okay with being on that road by yourself hmm. to take that kind of risk. To be an innovator isn't isn't awesome. You know what? I don't think you have to really give anybody advice on what to do. I think you've given them plenty of lessons. You've given out a lot of little gems throughout this podcast. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Because it, it, it's adventure. It's bravery. Yeah. It's individuality. Yeah. It's all of these different things, like you said, be ready for the risk. Yeah. Be be ready. Be ready. Be ready is what and you said. And be authentic to yourself because here's the thing. Everyone, when I first did Golden Heart, everyone, all black people, I was so sad because black people were like, she trying too hard. It's too different. Like, that's not who she is. She did Dandy Kane and she did Dirty Money. Like, what is this? It's, it's th- the head pieces. Is she doing too much? It don't seem real. And the funniest thing is. Isn't that us? New Orleans is headpieces and all day. Like all day. We extra. Culture. But my point is they didn't do the work to try to understand right. it. We as a people, and that's what right. I was in the car telling you about. People just get, they, they appreciate what they get fed. They don't do the work to say, I'm going to go beyond what I'm being fed. Mm-hmm. And I wish, I when you said, you said, Dawn, you was always always this and it was so good to hear you say it because i had missed home they didn't know i really wanted people like i people didn't know me from here because katrina happened Mm -hmm. so i never got an opportunity to grow as like you know chance the rapper had chicago at his best i wanted to have new orleans when i was at my best as a musician and we were a lost city Hmm. and at the prime of my greatness i had no city wow and it was the saddest thing because I feel like people didn't get a chance to see what I came from and have those conversations with those people to say, oh, that makes sense. Because you, all, from the very be- I have always been this, always from the very beginning. And you wear it. I wear it, yeah. I've always loved, I was always the, the girl who loved pop. I was always the girl that yeah. was a bit off kilter with, I was, so this was, this trajectory was never a surprise. But to the people who never saw it from the beginning, we lost it at my very moment. They didn't know. They never knew. And, I, and that's why I was rushing to get back here because I wanted to tell the story. Like y'all, if anything, I was only giving half at the beginning when I was in Danity Kane. I was only giving a little in Dirty Money. This moment when I was able to be a solo artist was the first opportunity I was able to be fully me from the nine. But you know what? I I think between what we've done with this podcast and then the conversation we had in the... I gave y'all some secrets. In the the Jeep (laughs) earlier. I gave y'all some secrets because I did We got to, like I said, control the narrative and put all of these out there. We got to do Tedra Moses and Luke James. We got to do Lucky Day and Lettucey. Lettucey. Um, We got to do... 
uh, Lloyd, although Lord, yeah. he grew up a lot of his time outside of here. There's some like great you said, artists. Normani, yeah. yeah, there's um, some beautiful people um, that have roots August here. Alcina, August Alcina, yeah. So many. PJ. Uh, there's PJ. a new girl too, like you just told me, a Perkins. Uh, Ombre Perkins. All of these beautiful girls. Yeah, like they deserve the voice and we deserve to lift them as a city and we need to stop pigeonholing ourselves in that genre because for me, like all your people that you name, they're still more to me in the soulful, they're in the soulful R&B mm-hmm. world. I'm not in that world. I am a part of that world, but I have so many other elements and I, I, I really want to push us to see the possibilities that we are so much beyond that. Like Normani's pop. She's a pop artist. Mm-hmm. Respect the fact that we got a pop girl. Like, I'm in electronic pop, I'm in dance, I'm in soul, and I'm, I have, I'm, I'm a little more genreless. Mm-hmm. I hang in a space that doesn't have that, except that, like, we got Haitian, a, a huge Haitian background here in New yeah. Orleans. Yeah. We have Haitian artists. Why are we not pushing the Carib- that West Indian side of our culture? Yeah, there yeah. are artists here that should be put up. There is an other atmosphere, that's world music. And I feel like once we do that, we're gonna shock the world more than we already have as a space that can sit on all levels because black people should be on every front of genres. We should be just as big in country or rock as we are in R&B and rap, but we're not looking. We're not choosing to say, let's step outside ourselves and let's let's process. That's process, yeah. Start processing. Yeah. I can tell you got some more stuff up your sleeve. I do. Um, But make sure and (laughs) check out... Papa her, Tez. Her next Papa yeah, Tez Papa Tez truck is at Papa Tez truck. It's gonna be what, next year. Wait, where can they find out more? Uh, at Papa Tez truck is where you go. .com? So at Papa Tez truck is Instagram and Twitter, and Papa Tez truck mm-hmm. is where you can sign up. Artists, I'm talking to you. There is an email, Papa Tez truck at Gmail. Come and hit us up because I, every time we do a pop up, we want to feature a new artist, mm. right? It's about local artists. Everything we're selling yeah. is from the city, so the money funnels through. We want to sell the art, and we want to give you an opportunity to work with a new style of paint to be able to like be eco friendly. This is about saving New Orleans too. Like this is environmentally friendly. So this entire space is not only for the arts, but it's also for the city to right. be stay clean and green. Um, so it's a really cool, and it's black, which yeah. is. That's a lot of those things are new for us. Um, hit us up so we can showcase you. If you're a sculptor, if you're a musician and you want to come and perform, like you don't have to pay a fee, nothing. You can sell your music. It's 100% yours. This is just a space for artists to have a creative hub, right? To, to eat to eat healthy, but also to deliver their art healthy. Man, so many people hit up my grand when I posted the video That's and they were said. able to visualize it because yeah. they'd heard us talking about it per se, yeah. but then they were able to see it. It was crazy. Um, so I know you got more pop-ups and then an eventual storefront coming. Yeah. So uh, be Come on the lookout through. for yeah. that. I'm working with uh, Cajun Fire, so I think my next one will be with them during Mardi Gras. Shout out to John! John. Yeah, I, yeah. And he, his his space is built, that they're, they'll build, they're, that they're building is in the east and that's where it's my the, parents it's the cultural that's hub where that I'm they're at. building yeah and that's where um, I mean that's where my roots are so that's and, gonna be and fun John that, will that, that be in season three yeah, by the way yeah there you go chief big exactly good. so it's close to home and um, I'm always like I said I'm working with local people I came back home to like strictly do this with locals the, the artist that we had was art by uh, art by J yeah. art by underscore J he has a tattoo shop literally like on St. Claude so like go check him out and then I've been working with Brandon B. Mike at, with yeah, Studio yeah, B yeah. I want I want to make sure we're showcasing not just when you drive by you see the paintings but also so like you could see it up close yeah. and be there when they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, today on the Wild Wayne Unchained Sean podcast. Squared and Wayne. <laughs> Sean Diddy Combs over here. The Sean. Sean the Sean. Uh, the moguls. We got, oh, you know, you know my, my last group. Uh, it, uh, wait, what? I had a group before that, but it really? was uh, Really? It, 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 it was short lived. Wow, yeah. What happened with that? Uh, what happened with that? You know, I, industry story. Industry story. Industry you know, did you have women no, or girls no, or guys? No, no. You said, no, oh, yeah. oh it's that oh, bad? Man, Long story. Dang. Ugly breakup. Short story. Short story. <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm sorry. Those groups are hard, sir. Trust yes. me. Uh, on the show today. I've been together with my group about 17 times. My we God. have Dawn Richardson. Oh, my God. I hate you i hate you yo sierra when she first when loving you no more came out and she was like oh my god there's this new song and i love it by this girl named dawn richardson and i was like i can't even retweet that sierra i can't even see that she was just happy yeah she was like i love that love you know about dawn richardson i was like I was like, I could have retweeted that. I'm just having fun with it. I hate you. Don't do that because everyone's messed up my name. You're just making it worse. Except I. I hate you. I wanted to be like everybody else. That's a rap man <laughs> on the Huawei Unchained podcast. Big shout out to everybody out there. And love it on the show. Season one, season two, season three is on the way. Subscribe. We got the videos on YouTube. Catch us on all platforms. We are on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play Music. And 10,000 other aggregators have picked <laughs> us up as well. It's crazy. Uh, you just, deserve it. Just put Huawei Unchained in there. Follow the journey because we control the narrative. the narrative. You own it. Thank you for listening to the Wild Wayne Unchained podcast. Make sure and follow us on social media at Wild Wayne Unchained. And for advertising or sponsorship opportunities, contact us at wildwayneunchained at gmail.com.